Texas crossover collab. And we wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us right right to the end of the 12 Days of Christmas. Yeah. And the 12 Days of Christmas have truly just begun. So, yeah, wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for putting up with all of our shenanigans. Uh, joining us on this wonderful ride through the Winter Wonderland. Oh, man. It's been some beautiful moments, some hilarious moments. Um, and I think this one, we get to encapsulate it all together. Um, and I think I just want to remind ourselves and everyone listening that you know Christmas time is a time of giving of serving of gratitude and sharing together as family and most importantly sharing as a family um, in God's kingdom and and to be able to really love and show our appreciation for Christ and his incarnation and to have our future um now hope in his future coming and um yeah man, i just i think it'll be nice to just lay down that foundation but particularly for the film that we're talking about today which is just super special and i never realized how special it was so i i, I personally want to thank you josh for introducing this film to me because wow i yeah i watched it the the other night i couldn't sleep mm. I got up in the middle. I was preparing to watch it in the morning, but I was, I just couldn't sleep that night, so I got up in the middle of the night and I watched It's a Wonderful Life. And yeah, brilliant. My, my, just... Where do we even begin? Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much about it that is fantastic. I mean, the... The, the main thing that resonates with me is the whole idea of being able to see what life would be like if you weren't there and all the lives that a person can uh, affect just by their presence um so yeah the story of george bailey it's so inspiring and uh, of course we were uh, talking a few days back about um a christmas carol and that's kind of got a similar gimmick to it where you know someone's able to observe from the outside looking in what life would be like without them or how they've affected the world around them because mm-hmm. um, of course it's it's becoming more and more of an issue I think for people in today's day and age just because there's that many people that much buzz on the internet and even in you know in real life there's so much bustle going on in cities and you know you can sometimes feel like your life isn't achieving anything that you're not really making any waves that nothing is happening in the world and would it really make any difference whether you were there or not would the world remember you and of course as christians we believe that you know god always remembers even the the smallest person you know he goes after the one um and this is a film i think that shows that so brilliantly um the the value of a man um yeah so yeah well put put. i think that's that i didn't want to relate too much to the character because i wanted to appreciate the story for itself oh yeah yeah however i could not help but relate to it a little bit and you know without bringing too much of my personal life into uh this analysis i i think in general, our generation, Gen Z, have this great um, 
pressure to succeed at a younger age. Yeah. And there's a particular kind of success which is um, deemed as socially acceptable. Um, so I think the idea of coming out of uni and not doing what I would perceive in my own eyes as much. Um, sometimes your value in yourself and what you do can be diminished quite a lot. And I think it, it's hard, particularly nowadays, to really find the worth in what you're doing. But mm. I think a movie like that just makes you... And I don't want to get into a whole prosperity thing of, you know, I am doing absolutely fantastic. But I think, uh, you put it there, the value of a man, how a, a, a man or a woman can influence other people's lives, how yeah. even in the simplest of things, the simplest of jobs and tasks, the simplest of places, the mark that you can leave, particularly with a loving heart, is... is wonderful and it's it's a very hopeful and encouraging message um and it kind of i i feel comfortable drawing a lot of theological um ties to this although i'd say the whole angelic thing is probably more of a secular (laughs) idea mind you but oh yeah obviously but like it you know i don't think that's really the point it's not trying to be a yeah super realistic theological plus it's actually it's something that i think I noticed when I was watching it with my flatmates, none of them seem to have any kind of issue with their, the angel side of it. Hmm. I think because it was presented in such a way that, first off, the angel being presented as just a man, um, yeah. which, was it because they were limited with practical effects to make <laughs> it look good? I don't know. But um, the... The result is the same, I suppose. Like to have someone who is also like a relatable character, the innocence of a child kind of thing, like some something that a secular person who's never spent a minute in the Bible or in church could instantly connect to the idea of, you know, like people are familiar with, I think, in the Western world, the idea of the the guardian angel, you know, that um, that kind of, and I, I think symbolically the importance is that there are people looking out for him from above, you know? Um, It's not necessarily the mechanics of that, how it works, because as you've mentioned, uh, we could talk for ages about what's theologically wrong with the way that the angels are presented. Um, In fact, I think Christ is the Cure mentioned that... um, Oh, really? He um, he put uh, on his story not too long ago about how... uh, yeah, he watches It's a Wonderful Life every year um, as his tradition and um, said he could go off on one about the angelology, but he won't. <laughs> yeah, right. Because um, it's not the point. But I think it? that's the thing. It's like, yeah, there's there's no point. It's it's secondary and also it's it's a story. And yeah. you take from it what you will and you realise that some things exist to serve the story. Um, yeah, for definite, which I think it did wonderfully. And... It's it's so great because that element occurred more towards like the end of the film, but the yeah, the, build, yeah. the build up towards it was mm. was so great, and I didn't expect that element to actually come in at all. Um, but it was a fantastic. I mean, I I personally just fell in love with the journey of his sacrifice yeah, in general and totally. his his love, and I think that's where 
I just admire that so much. Oh, and this is the thing I was going to say earlier. In terms of making a, a theological link with the idea of a man's works, um, I think it's good to remember in terms of, and I'm also talking from my perspective here, but I think there's a lot of um, reliance on our success in careers and mm. tying our value towards um, monetary value or, or, or purely what we're doing as our trade. But I think we need to remember that God himself was uh, a carpenter slash craftsman and Paul the Apostle was a tent maker and yeah, you know, yeah. the apostles were fishermen and you know I mean like very basic trades mm. but the jobs that they had was so much more important um, yeah and I think this is very much reflected so beautifully throughout this film of um, George's actions and my, oh, my eyes started to swell when like the he just got married this is the main scene that's just vivid yeah. to just got oh, married man. and then came back into um the was it was it George no Bailey's what's it called the company they're building and loans building and loans that's it I'll, yeah bank kept coming into my head but yeah when he went into Bailey's building loans oh yeah because yeah then and there's not a not a penny yeah and then he has all the money from his wedding and then mm. they both start um giving that out just as like to guarantee the people to hold off for like yeah. just a week or something like that um i love that so much just the constant sense of self-sacrifice yeah, firstly yeah. for um it was for his dad's business then it was for the people of the town and then obviously i think the setup of the antagonist uh potter um mm. i'm sorry i can't say that word without sounding like Drake potter potter <laughs> yeah. um but legit like i i love that antagonist um mm. and the idea of him like and this is where i want to tie into a theological theme of like as long as there is evil within a certain area in a certain world there's a man that's called to yeah go against that to fight against it to to stand for the people and stuff like that and yeah yeah i, I, yeah. I think those elements are absolutely beautiful um i mean potter as well you could say he's the ebenezer scrooge that never got visited by the ghosts you know yeah, or true. the sense of the the corrupt rich man who never got uh that chance of redemption or maybe not never got offered the chance but never took the chance um and of course he acts in such a ruthless way to people so people don't offer him that warmth back um and you know you could you could see that as a a scathing criticism of capitalism or just stop at greed and not go any further but i think either way it's quite a yeah as you've mentioned he's a very powerful character archetype almost uh, that, that yeah. villain and i guess that's that's the thing as well is because uh, we, we were mentioning about christmas carol how there isn't really an antagonist for that the for the evil force is kind of more internal than external yeah but um i think when we're thinking about this idea of like poverty and generosity and that of course this is a time of year to be thinking of the less fortunate um to kind of um, understand that like these evils that are expressed in both stories 
and in many Christmas stories, are also like caused by external pressures. Mm-hmm. That often it's in the the pressure to survive, to get money, to get food. You know that these evils can occur. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, as you mentioned, there's always a hero that stands up against it, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's quite realistically done in It's a Wonderful Life because the sacrifice takes a toll on him. I mean, yeah. we we talked about Spider Man too, actually, didn't we? Uh, uh, early in the blokes. year, I was just uh, about to say that. <laughs> But, you know, the idea of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, their happiness is, or their success is uh, mutually exclusive. You can't have a Peter Parker who's content while Spider-Man is doing his work to the best of his ability. Um, And that's something we see with George Bailey. um, And I think that's what's so great about It's a Wonderful Life. It kind of reaches that point where he's given everything he can. He's sacrificed everything he can and he's got nothing left. And he's still being expected to give more of himself, and he can't. And that's kind of, I suppose, quite a humbling concept that we as Christians, when we try to live out Jesus's pattern in our lives, when we try to walk in his footsteps, um, we can't do it on our own. We'll run out of steam. We'll try to give as Jesus gave, but we can't give that much because it cost him everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have all that. So that's where the kind of humility comes in being able to depend on other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so great about the ending of the film, you know? Like, he gives and he gives and he gives and he never sees any return for his money in the sense that Potter describes, you know? He, yeah. never, he never gets that financial payback. He never gets to see the world... He never gets to live in a comfortable house with all the luxuries that he wishes that he could give his family, you know. Mm-hmm. But in yeah. the end, he, he sees that people are so moved by his generosity that they'll also sacrifice for him. Um, and, and that's the thing, because I think, you know, um, particularly people of our generation, as, as we mentioned, there is a lot of this kind of idea of moving towards, you know, fixing the system that the the system is what's broken um and that you know if if we were able to change it in a significant way then there would be less evil in the world there'd be less people who weren't as well off you know Mm. but i think what we've seen from some of these christmas films that we've looked at and particularly in it's a wonderful life regardless of the system human generosity is what it hinges on you know um and so it it takes that moment of tremendous and uh, what's the word? A servant's Exu- heart, perhaps. Um, yeah, I know that's not yeah. the word you're looking for, but I just interjected that idea. Yeah, yeah, the, the servant heart, exactly. The the willingness to go above and beyond in our sacrifice to one another, and mm. and, and that's the thing. It's like whatever whatever system you find yourself in, you know, wherever you are in the world, however your country is organized, everyone has the ability to help out their fellow man. Um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be hard coded as a rule set into a system. I mean, that's that's something that the Old Testament proves. You know, just yeah. writing something as rules doesn't make people better people. You know, no, exactly. That that's literally. It. This is where I feel very comfortable making strong theological ties um, with this film because George Bailey, for me, very much represents the the servant and the servant's heart. Yeah. 
you know, they, it's a clear demonstration um, through action as well of what we are meant to do. And I think our generation, I think, if you don't mind me saying, perhaps even ourselves struggle to kind of really um, yeah. digest, you know, this idea of sacrificing your life for others the, mm. to reflect Christ who yeah. sacrificed himself and expected all of his disciples to pick up their cross and follow him to be able to pour out their hearts um you know i come on the, the more, most prominent image of servitude and of sacrifice well i'd say the first is obviously christ on the cross itself but the other very vivid image is jesus washing his disciples feet the fact that our sovereign yeah. god kneels and washes man's feet is just like it's just it's yeah. unbelievable and yeah. so like that's the kind of thing that he expects that no matter what kind of position you're in you will humble yourself and serve other people because that's the kind of world which is best that that is heaven the idea that we're all serving towards each other that we love god by loving his people um instead of all trying to look out for ourselves we think that that's going to be a structure but if if one person decides wait i'm going to try and rephrase that i don't know if everyone follows that mentality truly i think we very quickly see the failures of that kind of system where everyone just looks out for themselves and how much that would just fall apart you know if humanity thrives on sharing and giving um and also i just i love that quote at the end as well um from clarence which is like remember no man is a failure who has friends um and so i i just think it just, this film is just a, such a clear example of you know unity family what the church should be um and yeah it moved me enough to have me crying so oh yeah of course that goes without saying for it's a wonderful life yeah man. and i mean it's something that always uh, gets me about the film is it doesn't really use that many cinematic tricks like no you know it's it's well filmed in the sense you, you don't notice any kind of glaring errors in cinematography or anything but it's not like there's any visual tricks to um kind of force you to empathize with the characters or anything there's Mm -hmm. there's no kind of trickery going on there's a very minimal score you know the it i think what really shines through is the is the performances of the characters and just how human and natural it is and the dialogue mix isn't clean like sometimes people speak over one another and you can't hear what everyone's saying yeah uh, i mean like say for the end right when there's all these people in the house and it's a great commotion that to me feels more like a party you know like a christmas party a house full of people it it seems more that way than you know say you've got a bunch of people i don't know take the the typical spy movie they go to a ballet or something and there's hundreds of people in the crowd but or well say a lobby or something before an event and it's full of people and there's just this general muttering in the background and then you can hear like very clearly two people talking to each other 
it's not what it would be like in real life and I get for the sake of narrative a lot of movies kind of create this false sense of it but anywho uh, if, if any of that made sense yeah, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it reminded um, me of that scene where you know they I think they uh, George was selling a house to the, that big family and they all got yeah, in, like that yeah. like it was in terms of like the audio yeah it was overwhelming but it I kind of liked it it felt very authentic yeah you you get the sense that it's what would happen it's it's yeah. you and and so in this sense we're not watching a fiction when we're watching it's a wonderful life i i think the kind of mindset is more that you are there with them you know yeah. you're watching someone's life like an actual life and that i think is what makes it so much more powerful when uh, when clarence is saying you've really had a wonderful life yeah. Um, because it doesn't feel like one of those, you know, oh, they forced the titles, you know, they forced the title into the dialogue. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's a wonderful life. Um, <laughs> like, there's no sense of that. There's no sense. You're clearly going into it knowing, like, it's a fictional tale, but right. the characters have such a vitality about them, a sense that yeah. they've lived beyond the frames that they're in. Yeah, uh, completely. And, and so it, it really, yeah, I th- it just resonates so much, <laughs> so I much totally, with me. I, yeah, same. I, I totally understand your point because I, I started to think that as well. I was like, yeah, it's not any sort of visual masterpiece at all in terms of what it could do, but there's just something so raw and and wonderful about it where I care deeply about the characters, about the story that it it didn't need anything else at all and i think that's why it is such a phenomenal film it's like it presents such a a wonderful story um just by itself and and holds up by its own um so hats off to that also just as a side note i never knew this was a movie that had the classic scene of like throwing a lasso around the moon yeah yeah i had no idea it's because it's a wonderful life as well i think i believe it's spielberg's favorite film Mm. um but it's one of those because of it being deemed a classic and it's so well known amongst filmmakers it gets referenced a lot i mean you've got of course in home alone one and two there's the joke that uh, it's a wonderful life is so synonymous with christmas that even when they're in the hotels in like france and spain and wherever like they're listening to the uh, dubbed versions of it's a wonderful life yeah um and that that's the thing it's just become synonymous with christmas and in in the sense i suppose that it's a very intimate film it's a very it's it's about humanity um and it shows humanity at its most authentic um i think you could say there's the highs the lows everything in between um and yeah it, it's just it is a marvel the more i think about it how how it manages to to do that um yeah one minute yeah and and so i think that's why like it gets me- like referenced a lot uh, scenes from it in other films that sense of intertextuality because so many of the filmmakers strive to create that same sense of authenticity that it's a wonderful life does very naturally Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can see why it's like the kind of benchmark for a lot of directors. Yeah, one million percent. It's 
It's wonderful, let's just say. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of just any of the great points for it. Um, I kind of just wanted to mention the another vivid image of the kind of servant's heart, more so the compassion, like in the beginning when George is a child and then he oh, finds yeah. that the um, shop owner accidentally swaps out um, poison for the medication um yeah and then he start and then he starts slapping him because he thought he did mm-hmm. something wrong and yeah. I, I just love that he's just like i know you're hurting you didn't mean yeah to. yeah like, oh, oh my like particularly with just such a a precious and vulnerable voice i was like oh man like even then already i think even that set up a great scene to just show his compassionate character yeah um, and yeah. then obviously we see, as we've just discussed, the, the the events in which take place that demonstrate those qualities. Um, yeah. And so. one, one other thing I wanted to mention, actually, um, is uh, it's Mary, I believe, is uh, George His Bailey's wife. wife. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, th- the idea, she actually displays a lot of autonomy in the film. Very much. Um, which is is something I stress to mention because movies of that era in particular come under a lot of fire for you know negative gender stereotypes and yeah, so on. Um, true. Um, but yeah, something that throughout the film, like she displays a lot of autonomy and there's a lot of nuance to her character. And when you mentioned that earlier scene, that, uh, when the bank uh, goes under like during the depression. And uh, Bailey has to basically take care of the building and loans when they have no money at the place. Um, she is the one who offers the money that yes. was for their honeymoon. Yeah. Um, so it's not just that Bailey steams on ahead and she has to keep up. She is able to live out her dream of of kind of uh, being a part of that journey with him, and she's yeah. also kind of taking charge at times and knowing what the right thing to do is you know um Completely. and and that kind of as the idea you know like to look at again the kind of biblical model for marriage of uh, the the husband sacrificing for his wife and the wife also sacrificing for the husband and um, the idea that in that relationship is an an expression i was gonna say the perfect expression but let's hold off on the word perfect while we're on earth um <laughs> true therein is the expression of christ's love for his church and so that's why it's so important that uh, you know there's that kind of mutual sacrifice um completely i mean and of yeah. course like you, you've got like george kind of leading his family uh, but if it wasn't for his family's support and that's something you see a lot as well when he kind of snaps at them and they don't know what to do because they all love him and they want to help him um, and how he kind of apologises to them all and I mean there's so so much subtext loaded into each of those scenes as well uh, so many complex emotions some, so much kind of psychology to unpack about why they all act the way they do and uh, you know they say one thing but they mean another and uh, and so on and so forth so yeah um just thought that would be good to mention uh, the idea i suppose that he had this dream of going off alone on an adventure living for himself and doing whatever he wanted you know but he ended up fulfilling someone else's dream um, yeah. by staying and and that ultimately 
it wasn't like he was being tied down or that he was getting the second best, you know? Um, yeah, which right. often, it's something that gets talked about a lot in relation to the kind of uh, non-denominational understanding of predestination, you know? That uh, yeah. God lays out this kind of vague path for our lives and we have to figure out which one's the right one to take. And that was, for me, a lot of pressure as a kid. That like, yeah. I remember going to... Uh, like starting doing film music at uni and honestly believed that I'd disappointed half my church because they were all expecting me to go to seminary straight away and, and all of that and um, I felt like God was disappointed in me because I, I didn't do the thing that I presumed from what everyone was saying that that's what God was setting me up to do and I didn't do it so I was like have I disobeyed God on that? I mean I haven't heard him specifically tell me that that's what's happening but um often as is the case with George Bailey's life we find it in the book of Job even um, uh, several other places in the bible I'm sure (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, well Jonah I guess is another one that springs to mind that we can set off in one direction and life will take us in another but we'll ultimately end up where God wants us to end up Um, exactly and he he can you know there can be blessing in our lives and happiness and contentment wherever we find ourselves in life as long mm-hmm. as we remember to turn back to god you know exactly i mean the classic there's a reason why it's the beginning of the lord's prayer like first, well first we acknowledge that god is holy and that he is sovereign yeah so our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name uh your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know like the idea of his will being our will is is so crucial and as yeah. long as we have our hearts fixed upon that and whether and this is why again why i love this film you know george bailey embraces the opportunity to serve other people and that that is the heart of a disciple that's what they should be doing yeah you embrace the yeah. situation in which to serve people and you kind of yeah. I mean, this is probably such a naive thing because we're also we're still young men, Josh. And, oh you yeah, know, of course. <laughs> the world is vastly complex, but at the moment we trot along as to where we're going, and then we get steered into whatever God calls us, and His will is for His word and for Him to be known and to love His people, and then we kind of we go towards that. And um, you know, I feel like we're both on track so far and again whatever god provides i think the greatest thing is that we be content with whatever he does provide and according to his will um Mm. and so yeah i i definitely it was moving and, and very hopeful to try and see that servant's heart because i think when you read a lot of it in scripture i love it and nothing will ever ever replace that by far but i think it's beautiful to see um a film in which it clearly demonstrates those biblical values that i do find in scripture to see that in a cinematic format and and still be moved by that i suppose it's somewhat similar to what we were saying about a christmas carol how yeah the initial um message and story is the gift and it has different uh, wrapping paper um but the gift is still the same inside so it, it, I guess I'm drawing some of a parallel to that in terms of still 
those attributes of God, those, those values, and the idea of us having a servant heart is demonstrated in another, another light in this movie, and I'm still moved by it um, equally as much as I am with, as in Scripture. However, nothing will be the servant heart of Christ himself. Because yeah, he yeah, sacrificed exactly. the most. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, this was a beautiful, touching episode, and one <laughs> to to uh, end on very nicely. Um, any other little points, Josh? Um. Well, I I guess one one other thing to mention, you know, is uh, of course to understand the nature of how the story begins. You know that the Angel Clarence is told by one of the kind of higher class angels that um, a man is considering uh, throwing away God's greatest gift. Uh, that, that's the way they word it. And yes, I guess yeah. that the fact that, you know, the whole way through the film, you see in George Bailey such a, again, the word is vitality that comes to mind. Um, such a kind of carefree spirit. Uh, he's happy go lucky the whole way through. And all it takes is for that one bad day, you know? I mean, that sounds a bit, you know, kind of like getting into Joker philosophy there. Yeah, it does. Um, (laughs) All it takes is just one bad day. But um, it it really, like, life can get out of hand that quickly, or at least Mm. it can seem to spiral that quickly. Yeah. And uh, it can be hard to kind of keep things in perspective. And that's what Clarence is able to provide to Bailey, is a sense of perspective that, like... Yeah, th- so so that when he comes back, um, all the things he was afraid of, you know, prison, publicity, um, scandal, all of that, like he he isn't afraid of it anymore because he's glad to be alive and to have his family and all of that. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's the thing. It's just for us to remember, you know, when when life sometimes seems to be spiraling out of control to try and find that perspective for ourselves all the things we have to be thankful for um and even if it doesn't seem like it is a great gift it truly is the greatest gift to be alive completely Um, i mean paul says if there's there's anything to glorify sorry man but uh if there's anything to glorify (laughs) god for glorify him anything to praise him for praise him um yeah um and yeah that that's the thing if you can't think of anything to glorify him for it begin with the air that you're breathing you know because it's a it's a free gift like like all the gifts god gives you know um completely yeah um that reminds me of a conversation that we had which i think you would better recollect than me actually because my terrible memory but I'm sure we had a conversation a while ago with some friends of ours um, and a person brought up the idea of um, that argument. Is it, is it cruel to bring someone into existence um, because there's such evil in, in the world and wouldn't it actually be more merciful to, to uh, deny them of that? existence but um yeah i remember when i won't explore all of that conversation because that could go on quite a while but um i thought it was interesting in how we approached that and and how we talked it through to the point where our mate was like yeah life is actually pretty much a gift um instead so um yeah and i think i think the film definitely um 
as you said there it it starts with that to be like life is truly a gift in itself yeah yeah and you know it's is the thing like it does tell us life is a gift but it also shows us and that's what the majority of the film is is showing us how how beautiful life is i i don't want to keep saying wonderful but i mean there's a similar film in terms of the uh, the name uh called life is beautiful an italian oh, yeah. film um that that's one that centers around a father and son uh getting through the holocaust and uh like oh, they're, they're jews in auschwitz and it's yeah it's uh such a tragic film um i remember we we got shown that in year eight harry and that was like one of those films i was crying and uh super like trying to trying to hide how much it got to me because uh, yeah. the rest of the class you know, well not the rest of the cl- i'm not making it out that they were heartless or anything but you know when when you're there's in a always class of people, there's and, always lads who are like <laughs> yeah i mean there's always a thing of oh yeah it's uh don't be a baby kind of thing and uh, i'm not crying um and uh trying to kind of find the fun in it but we all react differently to extremely emotional stuff and we were all 12 at the time so obviously not going to judge anyone for that but um yeah that that kind of touches on a similar thing from a different perspective but yeah looks at you know whatever circumstances we find ourselves in just the fact that we even get to live is such a, a beauty and a wonder uh all, all of its own. Um, Completely. Yeah. yeah it, and it, of course, that we as humans, from our earthly perspective, we could never understand uh, the, the value of a life. And not. to kind of uh, uh, quote the Prince of Egypt, which I think is always helpful yes. when talking about theological films. Run the same uh, length, love it. <laughs> uh, well, you can complete my sentence then. <laughs> well, the are you going to talk about the song? Uh, of course. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Oh, how do you know what your life is worth or where, you, where your values lie? You cannot see with the eyes of man. Look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. So it's, good. Uh, yeah, I'm well enough thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I think, I think we've, we've, said it, we've said what needs to be said. <laughs> yeah, man. I totally agree. Now go enjoy that. your Christmas, everybody. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and if you are listening to this, not on Christmas Day... Hope you had a lovely Christmas day and a beautiful time, a wonderful time <laughs> of sharing and giving and um, giving glory to God because we can never glorify him enough and give thanks enough. So, Exactly, um, yeah. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming along for this journey once again. And we'll see you in the new year with some um, new projects and, yeah, some just more amazing things i guess yeah stay tuned and uh merry christmas merry christmas you felt the end